Hey, welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Bodacious Babes. Bite Size Chunks into all elements of the music industry, presented and produced by me, Gabrielle Corbett. And it is a podcast by Women in Music aimed at people who want to know more about the varying job titles within the industry, hopefully helping to demystify it, inspire more bodacious babes to get involved, and most importantly, I cannot say that today, celebrate one another and share some good vibes. And today I have Danny Bennett Sprague, who is a recording engineer and mixer, and this is episode 35. We're going to talk about many things with regards to recording, engineering and mixing, which I have, well, I'd say I have no clue. I feel like I know more after speaking to Danny, but definitely something I didn't know a lot about. This guest came about with the shout outs from a previous guest, Phoebe Fox, who is the music photographer from episode 29. She's absolutely lovely. And yeah, she shouted out Danny. And Danny and her could have just met kind of through friends and going to gigs and stuff. So really natural, nice, chilled intro there. This is an episode I've been meaning to do for God knows how long. So I was so thrilled when Phoebe suggested Danny and was saying, oh yeah, she does recording, engineering and mixing. I was like, perfect, tick box. This is who I want to speak to. Danny's worked on a lot. So just to give you a vibe of the artists she's worked with, we're talking Melina Zavala, The Amazons, Baxter Dury, Super Ego, Blanca White, Julian Baker, Blair Dunlop, Palace, The Rolling Stones, Noel Gallagher. And then if you go to her website, there's so much more. There's some Scottish favourites, some Twin Atlantic, Frabbit, uh, we've got Kurt Vile, Foles, and then... Not to mention these artists, but also the studios she's worked in are, if you're into music studios, ones that you'll definitely recognise. So she started off at Assault and Battery with a guy called Flood. She then went to Electric Lady, Room 17, Hoxha as well. And presently she's at Toast Studios. She also does a lot of her own freelance work. So a lot of this episode is going to be about one, she actually, spoiler alert, didn't do any training, didn't go to uni. She just kind of got into this through just kind of heavy graft, which is really refreshing to hear. And she worked really hard. Like she was working at the weekends, you know, building that portfolio. And she's got some really good bits of advice to share with you um, if you are interested in this kind of stuff. And also it's just fascinating to hear how records are made anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll go over obviously that path to now as ever. A bit of lingo. Um, we'll definitely be speaking about what recording in a studio with regards to the roles are so you know you've got you could be which she has been assistant engineer and then you're also the mix assistant and kind of what the difference of those are and also yeah like what the day-to-day of them is because a lot of it is well she'll kind of explain but a lot of it is kind of just listening learning and being the one that knows absolutely everything so I'm gonna pass over to Danny and myself now and yeah, cue the music. Enchanté. How do you know Phoebe then? Through, or I do think, you? <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I think originally through my boyfriend's band, who were the Amazons. Ah, okay, yeah. My boyfriend is Chris, the guitarist. I think I met her just because she was like at a load of shows and I kept seeing her around. She just like <laughs> pops up everywhere. 
Yeah, and then, yeah, she was just, like, around all the time. We just became friends. That's so lovely. She was so nice. Like, it was a friend of mine, Aaron, a photographer, Aaron Klein, who, like, did stuff when I was at Vivo. I just kind of reached out to him. I was like, oh, I'd love to work with a, like, a female photographer on the, the podcast. And he's like, Phoebe Fox. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> was, like, she's so her. good. I've done one uh, studio photo session ever, and it was was with her. Oh, Li- right. I, I, like, definitely can't. Like, can't imagine doing it with anyone else. Oh, so she took photos of you and stuff for you to have. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's she really did. Lovely. Yeah, she did my like studio press shots. Is this the one on the website when you're like candidly over shoulder? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and all the microphones. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, entirely. It's actually <laughs> really nice, like really nicely framed. Yeah, she went to town on like <laughs> on like curating the studio around me. How many microphones do you have? <laughs> yeah, it's like super expensive talkback setup. <laughs> How much, yeah, like how much money is in this photo actually if we like count the microphones? <laughs> I'm going to say probably like 60 grand. Holy shit. Somewhere thereabouts. That's crazy. Maybe like uh, maybe mad. like 40, but even so. That is mad. Did you do anything at uni that was like similar or like? No, didn't go to uni. Yeah, I started in the studio. I got really lucky with some work experience in... A studio called Assault and Battery uh-huh. that is in like northwest London. When I was 17, in my like October half term at school. Did you have to apply for anything? I was like not, I think by that point I, I knew I wanted to be in, in the music industry but didn't really know what capacity. And I was just kind of at the stage of sending like a thousand emails a week to like every every possible like studio or label or whatever that was like offering did you have um, a hotmail email address at this point? <laughs> like, I mean, surely, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I just emailed, I just emailed like studio after studio for about a year, I, I think. And then with like pretty much no response. What was in your email though? Like, was it like, oh, I love this kind of music? Or did you, did you like used to look at CDs and check the back and be like, oh, he does? Yeah, I did that a little bit. I, I was kind of just like, I, I, I to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. Um... <laughs> And like, it's really not surprising that no one wanted me in the studio because I was just like this this girl at school. Um, <laughs> I'd like never studied it, played drums. At one stage, wanted to be a drummer, but then just thought it was like a ridiculous idea. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in a band at any point at school? Never, no, just solo drums. <laughs> <laughs> well, Georgia did it, you know. Yeah, she did, yeah, exactly. She fucking nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just, I, I just said like, really interested in in like this aspect of the music industry don't really know anything about it but like take me for a week (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool actually to even have found a bit of industry that you actually were like well I'll just go with that yeah I mean I feel like it was a vague accident that I like stuck with it persistence yeah I just sent loads of emails and then I got really lucky with my dad who works in the film industry um Uh uh-huh was working with this director who his neighbour was a producer called Flood. This is ridiculous. And he, Three degrees of separation. Yeah, so it's so stupid. And he gave my dad was just like talking about me at work or whatever, and this guy gave my dad Flood's email address, which is a classic hotmail. He's got the most Great. ridiculous email. But um and uh yeah yeah he gave me this email and I was like, this cannot be a professional man's email address. <laughs> and uh yeah, so I sent him an email just saying, you know, been put in contact through this guy, don't really have an experience, but I'm just like really curious about studios and and I've got these like two weeks free in October. Total long shot. And he, he I'm gonna say it took him like five months to respond. 
but he did actually give that to me and then I did a week of work experience with him where I was I was just making tea and yeah like absorbing kind of thing just kind of helping look after the studio and yeah like I I, I remember not having a clue what was going on for that entire week in, t- in terms of like the musical side of things I just had no idea what was happening but it was really fun it must have been a bit mad like seeing the sound desks and stuff yeah and it's like it's a big studio it was like thrown in at whatever the phrase is the deep end by the way I'm awful with phrases so I can't believe I actually got that if it's right yeah just like just like straight away into this really high profile studio with with Flood who's like he's one of those producers that a lot of people would like cite as their biggest influence he's kind of like a like a he's done a lot of like Depeche Mode and uh like PJ Harvey and all that like quite like culty music yeah and he he like very much has his own sound um but I had no idea who he was at this point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah like now I talk about it and people are like how did you get your first week with Flood like it's so ridiculous <laughs> like I had no idea who he was <laughs> it means nothing to me um, but yeah and then really long story short I, I ended up staying there I like faffed That's around great. for about a year and a half doing like finishing school and working in like a leisure centre and um, amazing <laughs> and some other crap that you do when you're 18 but then came back to the studio and and got a um got like a full time job as an assistant. Um, That's amazing! Like right after school as well. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I did like finish school, did the classic like summer of interrailing. Oh, good. Um, better choice than me. Yeah. I went to like I, I think I went to sunny beach in Poland. It was very weird. Oh, I don't <laughs> yeah, even know what that is. It's like a kind of resort thing. There was like. I think 20 of us, we all went. We went for two weeks. Like, oh, that's quite long. <laughs> Too long. Like, some people did go home early. <laughs> so, um, we weren't as wild, though, I think. I was like, some people at school. So, like, it, some of it, it wasn't as, like, well, it's crazy. I was like, I feel like we were probably, like, very immature. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure. But, yeah, so You got mad. to do it once. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did, like, classic summer of, of kind of faffing around, just, like, seeing my friends and stuff. And then mm. they all went off to uni. And I got really bummed out, like stuck in London. Like not, wasn't, I wasn't really in the studio at that point. I was kind of just like, I don't really know why. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I wasn't really doing anything useful. I was just sort of, yeah, I was just faffing. And then, yeah, just like did spend three or four months doing like other weird little jobs and socialising essentially. <laughs> and then for some reason decided that I wanted to work in a studio, but I wanted to do it in New York. Yeah, because I noticed the kind of a, like it's like American British. I was like, okay, yeah. So then is this when you go over? Well, yeah. So so my mum is American, so I have okay. an American passport. <laughs> so I just kind of thought at that point in whatever like 2015, I had an aunt and uncle living in Brooklyn who had a spare room. That's so great. Yeah. So I was like, it's now or never, <laughs> you know, just for like a, a few months. And so then I did the same thing. I sent sent 50 emails to like every studio I could find in New York. But now you've got floods on you, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I did, to, to, to be fair, like the guy that I ended up in the studio with for most of my time in New York, who's, who's now like a really close friend, we had like, a Skype uh-huh. to like talk about why. He, he, was, he was so confused about why I was in London, <laughs> like around all these studios. But I why would you to, leave London? I wanted to come to New York to work in his, a really new kind of makeshift really funky studio Mm. 
it was great. It was really, really fun. But he was like, why, why, like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> but he was like, you worked with Flood. <laughs> I was like, Sh- I mean, f- yeah, for like, for like one week. I made him tea. Um, but yeah, I did that. And weirdly enough, actually also got a reply from Electric Lady. Oh, wow. So I ended up there for really not very long. I'm going to say like a fortnight. And then moved on to the other place with the lad from Skype. Yeah, uh, the lad from Skype. The lad from Skype, that's what I've called him. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, I did like, I did both at the same time. So I did. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was at this kind of like makeshift studio in Brooklyn was called Room 17. I say mm. makeshift, that's harsh. It was just like, it was just, it was just really funky. It, it was in this old printing factory. That's so cool. It was really cool. But I was there for for pretty much my whole time in New York, just cause, but not but not like full time. I was just kind of like in and out whenever whenever they needed a spare pack of hands. And Electric Lady asked me to come in and do like a trial shift. So you do like a trial shift and then they take you on as a as an intern. Um And what like experience did you have at this point though? Like did you have I mean honestly still none. Like I, I remember sitting in room seventeen with with the lad from Skype, Joe, uh, who, who I think were like, I I I I don't know. I have I actually don't know. Like I, at this point, still had never like, I'd never like run a recording session. I just, uh-huh. I just like assisted here and there. Was kind of still like only just getting my head round like working a desk. Mm-hmm. And and like yeah, just with like zero technical background, I I I didn't really. I was just sort of picking it up as I went, but like very very slowly. I think that's really cool though, because it obviously seemed to like your vibe, and also I reckon. I mean, I can't speak for them, but you know, like there's so many people who don't realize that that's how they started. Like they just yeah. had like a passion for it. Yeah. And someone might have taken them in and decided like, okay, I'll teach you. Yeah, I think I. I think you just you you that there's a certain element of of you just have to get lucky with someone who's going to spend mm-hmm. the time with you and actually talk you through it and that was what I had kind of not until I got back from New York at mm-hmm. Salt and Battery with the there were like four in-house engineers there and they all they all kind of were like little mentors um, that's great for the for the like year year and a half that I was there Electric Lady was not useful for that. Yeah, of course, it's the name. It's very established, like very like super cool, like amazing names coming through it. But maybe they've just got everything they need. So why would they kind of... Yeah, I mean, yeah, like they have everything they need. They, but they make a point of like having, of having this like internship program. And they take on, I think, I think, I think it's 12. They have like 12 interns at a time who are all unpaid. And they do like day and night shifts. And what kind of stuff would you do there? Running for the artist, so you'd like go out and get people lunch. Yeah. You weren't yeah. really allowed in the studios. Because like also the deal with Electric Lady is four out of five of the studios in that building are privately leased by mixers or producers. Mm-hmm. Um and all the people who work in those rooms have their own engineer or have their own assistant. So you're like essentially not even really allowed in those rooms. So you're like floating assistants. To the in-house people, like the in-house engineers, yeah. Yeah, whoever needs a favour, pretty much. And it's kind of, if I think if the direction that you wanted to go down was more like technical, like kind of workshop, like fixing gear, then you could have spent a lot of time in, in their workshop, which could have mm-hmm. been fun. But but yeah, if you're like, 
bottom level trying to get your head around engineering it's it it was really unhelpful because <laughs> it, it's just not hands-on I take it yeah. like for that yeah, yeah that makes sense it's too big it's too like it's too it's too high profile you need like a you need someone who's going to take a chance <laughs> yeah. on a person who doesn't know anything and then how long were you in New York then was it just were you saying like two weeks no no it was four months that's oh, so great though yeah it was great it was really fun and then yeah I came back to London and then yeah that's pretty much when I started at Salt and Bastry uh full-time and what, what what kind of year is this since that's like you've this is done... 2015 okay yeah so like and is this when you start to kind of be assisting as an being an actual yeah so assistant? like yeah I feel like New York I was I was like on the cusp of being an actual assistant I kind of ended up assisting on stuff because it was such a low-key little studio Mm -hmm. but by the time I came back to London I was like just about at the stage of being like a paid assistant and and again like got back one of the engineers at that studio uh sent me a message saying that he had a session that was going to be like a week long and could do with an assistant for it so I just and yeah I just again got a little bit lucky with timing that's great yeah went in and then never left (laughs) <laughs> until 2016 <laughs> um, <laughs> that was like <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah I was I was yeah I I I I I'd say like post New York I really kind of settled into a salt and battery and started really getting my head around stuff it took a while though it was it was not I'm, I don't think I took to it like a duck to water is it like essentially really really weird to say this but like you can't really do your own homework at home I mean, you. I mean, you can. I feel like a lot of people's way into the industry is just like, you know, recording yourself or recording like local bands and figuring mm. it out with your really basic setup. And I like to be honest, never did any of that because I just kind of like. I don't think until I was in the studio that I actually knew that it was what I wanted to do. See, that's it. There's different people who know what they want to do a lot earlier. Yeah. And I feel like I'm kind of similar, like, I, I just get fascinated by things, so if I'm in that environment, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. The original plan before Assault and Battery was to go to university um, and mm-hmm. study, like, sound technology, which I, I'm kind of glad I didn't, I didn't do. I don't think I would yeah. have loved the, the, like, physics-y element of it. But I wanted to go to Lippa in Liverpool, and I remember having... I applied twice because I got rejected the first year. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to my interview is it the first year or second year first year i think yeah and you had to like you had it was like a group interview you had to do a test and all this stuff and you had to like play these people a track that you'd worked on and i remember before going to that i was like i've literally never worked on a track (laughs) i was like i don't know what i'm doing so so i had some i had i had like a bunch of friends who were like singer songwriters who had done a load of their own stuff who pretty much just like talked me through how to mix a track on Logic. That's so cool. That's so cool. But, and I like remember going to this interview and playing this song. I had no <laughs> idea what I said about it. I just, I just had no, I just had not. You know not, the waves. Not, not what I was doing. <laughs> did they, and did they let you? Did, were they like, yep, no, come they on rejected. in kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work. But I remember like listening to all these other people talking about it, and I was, how have you got all this experience? Like, where have you come from? And I feel like a lot of people who go, who end up on that course at Lipper 
or who end up doing a a like mm. a degree in sound technology or whatever have already it felt like none of the people that I was around had had just had also just come out of school that's quite frustrating isn't it to be like like when were you guys told about this <laughs> like yeah exactly when, I was what, like, was, well, I, was like, I didn't get the memo <laughs> like, like where's your secret info yeah yeah um, yeah but I feel like it's worked out well <laughs> I think but so it's... yeah like I don't I I'm not I'm definitely not sad that they didn't well yeah they didn't they didn't accept me the first year and then I reapplied and it did get in mm-hmm. but then I I yeah I remember having a conversation with the like head of the head of the course or whatever and he was like you've got a job by this point I think I was either like on the cusp of assisting or something battery or or like coming back from New York or something. But he was yeah. like, you've essentially got a job or you've got like an in to a job. Why are you coming on the course? Yeah, like. that all of our graduates are like fighting for. That's really so nice to so have just, some like, so honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was just like, you don't you don't need this. You'll 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 learn more um, if you just stay where you are. Yeah, 100%. That's super cool. So I did. And then like, what other kind of stuff were you... I don't know, like with the salt and battery, like what kind of stuff are you working on? Like, um, again, like it sounds ridiculous probably to you, but like the day to day, if you were like a mix assistant, is that where you were kind of with them, assistant engineering, mix assistant? And what does that mean actually? <laughs> Early days of a salt and battery, I was, so salt and battery is, is like, it's a complex of studios. I think there's four, there's like three big studios in the building. Mm-hmm. One main tracking room where flood works. And then there's a guy called Alan Mulder, who's a mixer, um, who's Flood's like long, long time collaborator. Um, he's got his own big studio downstairs. And then there's like a bunch of little production rooms and like other other people are based in all these little rooms. And so initially I was I was an assistant in the main tracking room mm-hmm. on pretty much whatever came in the door. And for a while I would just be the second assistant because I was still sort of figuring out what what was happening. And the day-to-day is kind of setting up sessions. You're essentially just showing the engineer all the specifics of that studio. And the engineer comes with that particular band. Yeah, mean? sometimes. Yeah. So, so like people will either either bring their own engineer or or you'll get the in-house, which by that point was not me. I was the in-house assistant. But you your job as like as an assistant is to is to make the engineer's life as easy as possible. And if they don't know that studio, then it's your job to be the one who knows that that channel on the desk doesn't work or this like thing about the patch bay is funny or whatever. You've got to know all the quirks. It shouldn't be their job to figure it out when they get in the morning. So yeah, it's like setting up all the mics, doing all the patching, like plugging Mm -hmm. everything in, making sure everything works. And what does patching mean? Patching, yeah. Every studio has a thing called a patch bay Mm -hmm. that essentially like connects all, all the gear together with these little bantam cables so you like have to patch when you plug a mic in to a to a tie line in the live room you then have to go to the patch bay and then patch from that tie line into like a preamp or whatever yep okay so it's just like ins and outs signal and like as you were doing it like do you feel like you were starting to understand like, okay i get the like the physics as it were of it kind of yeah. things yeah yeah totally like it it as soon as you as soon as you understand that it is essentially it's just inputs and outputs yeah in a certain order it's the easiest thing in the world yeah i remember i I remember looking at a patch bay originally and being like how do you understand <laughs> like even it's it's that classic thing of walking to a studio and being like there are so many buttons in here how yeah. the hell are you ever supposed to as soon as you learn like one channel on the desk 
then it's just like 48 of the same thing <laughs> or whatever you know it's just like <laughs> as soon as you get your head around one thing it's, it starts to make sense so that's like the assisting the engineer part and then it's like do you assist the mixing kind of team as well yeah he can be a recording assistant which is not it's not really called that it's more just called an assistant engineer or you can be a mix mm-hmm. assistant where you generally work for a specific person mm-hmm. um and that I I spent like I want to say six months ish being an assistant in Assault and Battery Two, which is the tracking studio, and then for whatever reason I migrated downstairs to work with Alan, um, who's the mixer. So then by that point I was sort of training as a as a as a mix assistant to kind of like broaden my knowledge and kind of have like a grounding in both recording and mixing. And being a mix assistant, you're Generally, your job is like prepping all the sessions, like setting up the studio every day. A mixer at like an Alan Moller level mm-hmm. will generally do like a track a day. Wow. And it's your, like, it depends. A lot of people, a lot of mixers work solely in the box now, which means that they don't actually use any, like any physical hardware. And when, if they're doing that, there's kind of no need for an assistant because like, you never have to recall your equipment. You open the session in your computer and it's there and it should sound the same. But when you're working off a desk and you're working with like physical bits of hardware, when you come back to mixes to do tweaks or whatever, you have to like change the settings on the mix bus to make it sound the same and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, like your responsibility is prep and... I mean, again, like in a similar way to what your responsibility as a recording assistant is, you're sort of just kind of like getting everything ready and then being on hand when stuff goes wrong. It's a good way to learn, actually. Yeah, exactly. You're like a big, a big part of your job is kind of watching, especially when you're when when you're working for one person is kind of like watching, figuring out that person's methods and being able to preempt what they need Um, in both in both mixing and recording like you, you. The ideal assistant on on a recording session, like you shouldn't actually really have to ask them for anything. Like if if you're if you're the engineer or if you're the producer, or whatever you you you'll have conversations with the artists about potentially doing an overdub and potentially wanting to use this this stuff later. And the assistant should be listening to you having that conversation and like preempting the fact that you're going to want it and be setting it up already. Um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you should. It's all. It's yeah. I'd say like. 75% of the job is is reading the room and yep. and that's a proper skill like it's definitely a it social really skill is, that... and you and it's weird when you see people who don't have it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah you've just got to read the room look after everyone I've seen the 2016 was the ones that the Scottish ones I was talking about before the before we think we start recording like Twin Atlantic and yeah, yeah, yeah. Frightened Rabbit and yeah. I was like yay <laughs> Frightened Rabbit yeah, what band? I might have got that wrong. Did you say 2016 was when you were working there, but then did you move on to a different studio? Yeah, so I like started started full-time at Battery in 2015, in like, mm-hmm. I want to say May. Mm-hmm. And then stuck around for about a year. I, I sort of did like six months of recording and then six months of mixing. And then moved to a studio called Hoxha. Um, uh-huh. Which is actually... Is that where you are now? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I've moved. No. <laughs> I've moved again. No, so Hoxha is a like kind of boutique little studio in West Hampstead. It's run by a guy called Jimmy Hogarth, who is also mm. Scottish. Um, <laughs> who he's like a songwriter producer, 
really really successful songwriter he's done he wrote like half of Duffy's first record and uh, oh, wow. like James Blunt and and that kind of like the height of of 2007 8 mm-hmm. pop <laughs> like soul pop mm-hmm. uh, so it's his studio and yeah I moved there and became the in-house the in-house like assistant and I think initially not engineer, but it didn't take long for me to become the engineer there because because people needed one. That's um, great. And is it is it normal for like before that? Sorry, when you were back at Battery, yeah. was it normal to be doing the both like as in being an assistant kind of um, engineer and a mixing assistant? Was it no, normal to do I think both? it was. I think I got super lucky with that. As oh, well. that, yeah, because that's. I bet they were like when they hired you, in, obviously in Hoxa. Yeah. Is it Hoxa? Yeah, they must have resolved some like, oh, she can do both. This is not. Yeah, I mean, like, like very few people get the experience of being a mix assistant to 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 a mixer. Um, Yeah, because you're on with one person, Alan, right? Yeah, and that and that is actually kind of what I'm back doing now, um, in Mm -hmm. in a slightly different, like slightly different scenario. But now I'm I work with a guy called Craig Silby, um, like ninety five percent of my time I'm with him. Um, mm. and it's actually like I kind of I don't think I appreciated that experience as much as I should have done in 2015 or whatever it was um, with Alan because you I, I I think I was a bit too young and still like too I was still getting my head around like what was actually going on in yeah. in the studio as, as, as opposed to like learning Alan's methods um, uh-huh. and now that I'm like four years down the line or five years down the line disgusting five years <laughs> you can absorb more that makes yeah. sense because your brain can only take in so much yeah exactly you know? <laughs> you're you're just you're kind of like in 2015 I was just kind of like preoccupied with actually understanding like what a patch cable did <laughs> and, like, yeah. and like and how like how to make stuff work mm. and now yeah now it's just like picking up picking up tips and picking up methods and all that kind of stuff and you you do like freelance stuff as well at the moment, so is it yeah. is that right or yeah? Yeah, so I I like stayed at Hoxa. Hoxa was never like a full time job. It 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 was, mm-hmm. it's like a it's a commercial studio, but not like commercial commercial. It's kind of like friends of friends know about it, and it's kind of like yeah, it's just it's it's like it's nice and it's cozy and it's like quite quaint and tucked away. So I was only in there probably like every two weeks out of every month when there were external sessions because if Jimmy the owner was in there then he didn't he didn't need me. So I kind of like spent 2016 to 19 doing loads of stuff at Hoxha but trying to build up like my freelance stuff as well which takes a really long time. <laughs> I was gonna say so for freelance stuff do you then you rent out a studio? You can it varies a little bit but it does happen quite a lot where if you're the in-house assistant or the in-house engineer in a studio, then the owner will either give you like a really good deal on renting that studio or like give you downtime on the weekends. Oh, that's really great. Jimmy was like the absolute best with that stuff. He was just like, the more you're in here doing your own stuff, the better you're going to be. That's such a good way of thinking of it. Yeah, you're, you're going to get better for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was like, the more you're in here, the better you're going to become. So the more, you know, the more useful you're going to be to me. <laughs> like essentially, so he was like, use it whenever you want. I was in there pretty much every weekend r- recording like some, someone, <laughs> some random person. <laughs> so that, yeah, that helped a lot. 
it, it was usually just like friends, you know, like friends of friends and whatever projects I could get my hands on really. Yeah, I just spent three years trying to build up some kind of like freelance portfolio. Tricky to do freelance. I, I don't know, like you're getting your name out, but also like looking after your own pay and stuff. And I don't know. It's really tough. Kind of regardless of the like self-managing, it's just, it's just such a competitive industry that when yeah. you're like, when you don't, at that age, when you don't particularly, like the, the, the thing that I had going for me, to be honest, was, was access to Hoxha. Yeah, I bet. Cause like, that's what I was going to ask. And then I was like, well, how can you do otherwise? Yeah, like, that's like, a, it's, it's the flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I, I definitely just, I, uh, I use that a lot. The access to Hoxha thing. I was just like, I can get you into this studio. <laughs> Well, yeah, like that kind of name helps you, but also, like, I suppose at least you feel more confident because you're like, well, I know the studio, I know the quirks yeah, that you're exactly. saying, like, as well. Yeah. So you're not like going in and be like, right, okay, so like, you don't really know me. This is the first job I'm doing with you. I'm in a studio I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and we're in a random studio. Horrible, but that that is that is your whole thing as an assistant. You you should like you should make sure that your whatever studio you're working in, like, you know it better than anyone else, mm. because otherwise, someone's going to take your job. And that's just spending time there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, you in like whatever in whatever studio environment you're in, you need to make yourself indispensable. That's good advice, actually. Yeah. Because otherwise, you'll get replaced. You have to have a, a really strong purpose to justify being in the room. I I think without all the downtime that I did at Hoxha, I would potentially be 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 pretty much nowhere. Yeah, but that's it. Like all the extra, like I think it's the stuff where people just maybe look at a CV or yeah. see where you are now kind of thing. But it's like, well, there was a lot of extra hours. So yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot of extra hours, a lot of extra help mm. from yeah, from like people like Jimmy just being being generous with his time. That's so cool. And then like, what what was after that? Then how come? And then moved to a different studio. <laughs> so yeah, Hoxha. I I was kind of like by twenty let's say 2019 like early 2019 mm-hmm. I wasn't really assisting at Hoxha anymore I was I was just engineering and we had a new guy who had kind of taken over all the assistant work from me mm-hmm. which was great but also meant I had like way less work <laughs> so I was like I was like I'm really enjoying like not not doing doing all the assistant stuff anymore but also I'm I poor. need more to do <laughs> and and like bored yeah taking the leap from being even like vaguely employed at a studio like Hoxha, which isn't, which, you know, not, not even close to full time, but e- even like the daunting thing of taking the leap from that into fully freelance world is just like, how am I going to survive? But in May, 2019, an artist called Baxter Jury. Oh yeah. 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 Who, whose record. Such a good voice. Yeah. <laughs> such a ridiculous voice. But it's like, it's a, you hear it and you're like, yeah, there he is. Yeah, I know. He's, yeah, he's great. I'd done, I actually don't know how he knew Jimmy, but he, he in the kind of like friends of friends way that Hoxha ran, mm-hmm. Baxter was renting like one of the little writing rooms to write his record, Prince of Tears, that came out in like 2016 or something. 17? 16, mm-hmm. 17? And then he recorded it in Hoxha, which I engineered. And then he came back to Hoxha to do his next record in May 2019, which I worked on a tiny bit. I did some like additional stuff, but it was produced and mixed by this guy, Craig Sylvie, who is Baxter's like longtime friend and collaborator in some 
in in some way. He's either mixed or produced or worked on in some capacity. I'm pretty sure every single one of Baxter's records. He came to Hoxer to produce that record. And in the way that mixers do or producers do, he had a full-time guy. So he had this guy called Max, who was his engineer, who he brought with him to Hoxer. So I was kind of around for the first couple of days to get them set up and, and you know, do the, do the assistant thing of, like, make sure the studio was running smoothly. I was kind of only there... Yeah, I think I was there for two days and then I came in... I came back at the end to do, like, some of Bax's vocals with him and, and some, like, additional stuff. But because of budget and because of, like, you know, you don't need that many people in the room, I dipped out for the main bulk of the record because I wasn't needed. And, but even like in, in those first like two or three days or whatever, Max and I became quite good friends. And actually we went to Craig's 50th. Okay. (laughs) Two weeks later and got really drunk. And Max said to me that he was thinking about moving on from Craig. Like he'd been working with him for like three and a half years. Uh Uh-huh. And he wanted to take, take the plunge and go freelance. But in the classic, like, scared of going freelance way, he didn't want to do it in one go and, like, not have any work. <laughs> um, so... Why? It's, like, proper wise, though. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just thinking ahead, isn't it? But he... Yeah, so he was... Um, he said he wanted to go freelance, but he didn't really know if, if he wanted to do it in one go. And, and I just said to him, like, if you want to give me a... Like, by that point, because... I'd had the six months of, I mean, it was a really long time ago at this point, but like, because I'd, I'd had that grounding of working with Alan, mm-hmm. I like knew exactly what Max's job was. It was just like in a different studio with a different person. I knew yeah. what working for a mixer entailed. So I was like, if you want to give me like a week or so of Craig's work, I'll happily cover you while you do other stuff until you've got enough stuff to just go and be freelance yes danny hustle (laughs) give me some work but also go and go and be free and then yeah he did when was that like i think that was october october 2019 i i came in and Mm. did a day or so with them to to get my head around craig's studio and i mean i didn't i didn't really know craig at this point and we just kind of we'd done a couple of days on the baxter record together and had hung out at his 50th birthday (laughs) but that was about it (laughs) Yeah, so I did like a couple of days with them, and then a load of a load of circumstances changed, and Max had to leave like really, really quickly. So it kind of changed from me covering for Max like a week here and there. I took his job on and went full time. Wow! Yeah. In in October two thousand nineteen, I was kind of really unexpected. So I so I still had some stuff that I was going to do at Hoxha that I had to like move, and people had to cover for me, and we like. But we figured it out and then, yeah, I've been with Craig ever since, which was so not the plan, <laughs> but it's been great. A sped up plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the plan was, yeah, I just kind of cover him, get a bit of extra work. Craig has mixed some of, some of, like a couple of my favorite records ever. What ones are they? Like, what are the... He's done, he's done everything Arcade Fire since the suburbs delicious and the suburbs is like it, it's sim- it's in my it's in my top five they're such a good live band to see oh, so good i remember like when i was at domino we went to see them at british summertime it was when yeah, british summertime yeah, kind yeah. of messed up and there was like the pound tickets oh yeah i remember that because <laughs> it was um 
oh, what's his name? Os, I'm going to get it wrong. There was a guy who was one of the violinists in Arcade Fire. Oh, and Palette. And he was on, yes, on Palette. Yes. Oh God, he's amazing. Yeah, so anyway. good. And obviously he was in Domino, so we went to that. And then Wild Beasts were there as well. Were you at that gig then? I was not, no. It was so bad because like, Arcade Fire came on with these paper mashy heads. Yeah, it was the it was the reflector tour, right? So they, yeah, yeah they and then the they they put all their support acts under the heads, so like it was like wild oh, beasts were like with the so heads fun. on and stuff, and it was just like it just felt so like this huge communal kind of band in the end after because obviously yeah, you started with yeah, Owen, yeah. then wild beasts and them, and I, yeah, that's the only time I've seen them, but what I was band? like blown away. Yeah, I, I yeah, such such good live band, such a great band. Like suburbs is 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 up there for me. Yeah. So like when, even when that initial conversation with Max came up, I was like, yeah, I'm sure I want to work with Craig. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like yeah, the plan was 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 just like do a week here and there, you know, get a bit of extra work, get a bit of like Craig experience, learn a new studio, blah blah. And then because in in Craig's eyes, like he when he takes on a new like assistant or engineer or whatever it is he kind of wants someone who he knows is going to stick around for three or four years. Yeah. That's kind of like the general time frame that you'd spend with someone like that. And he was like, you're like, we, we, we sat down and had this conversation in, in October of a year and a half ago of me saying like, I don't want to give up all this freelance stuff that I've built up over the last three years. And he was like, I feel like you're too far along in your career to take this job. It was kind of only because of like a weird set of circumstances that changed with his previous engineer and then like by the time covid hit we we i'd been working with him for like four or five months and then we couldn't train anyone new because we couldn't have anyone else in the studio with us and we're still in covid <laughs> so it, it yeah it turned it went from i'll do a couple of months of covering for max to i've had a full-time job with him for like almost a year and a half now it's been great exactly like and I, I i appreciate like he's trying to be like you know i feel like you're maybe beyond it but like sometimes it, it, the person you can learn so much from someone doesn't matter what role you're in kind of thing yeah like i i like my um my boyfriend chris has has said this to me as well he's he's just said that like my the level of my mixing ability in the last year like i i, I i'm not sure if i if i I don't know if there is another way to get to like to improve that quickly apart from mm. just being around someone like 24 7 who it's is who right is person. doing it it's, yeah yeah it's just like the right person the right time so yeah it was it was a it was a happy accident and I, and also i think without him i i would have had the most boring 2020 <laughs> just of like no recording sessions like sitting at home no gigs to go to just real sad but, um, I think it's great that you guys can still do all that stuff as well, like in 2020, which is just yeah, great. yeah. It's it, it it yeah. Like Craig and I have 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 said this to each other that we'll we'll both have a a real special place in each other's heart. Yeah, because 2020 would have been so rubbish without each other. For like March to May, we oh, 2020 was so weird. Like we January and February <laughs> totally. were like the, so intensely busy. Hmm. February, both of us went on holiday for like two weeks. Yeah, and then we got back and and in like the week, the first week back in March, COVID was like starting, it was it was all starting to kick off and uh, we were like, what is going on? <laughs> uh, it was really, really weird. And then we decided to work separately for the next like f- 
three months, I think. We we work, We did like one day each. So I'd like go in, do my work and then wipe the studio down. And then mm-hmm. he'd go in the next day, do the same. Or like I'd start a track and he'd finish it. And yeah, we'd like wipe the studio down and then start again. <laughs> it was so lonely. It's such a different way to work. <laughs> Leave each other a little like... <laughs> treasure hunt a a little note yeah he did he actually did that a couple times he left me like like, something really weird (laughs) i think i'd do that (laughs) but yeah without him yeah it would have been a a real boring year it's keeping creative in like times like that i think yeah exactly having 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 any kind of purpose in uh in 2020 was 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 like yeah was key and then like i don't know is there any other stuff that you want to the mention that you've done or like we can kind of go into advice stuff if you want again you've kind of I feel like everyone always gets into advice when they're trying anyway advice stuff I mean yeah I I I I feel like I've kind of said what I would say you just you you, you've got to be persistent Mm -hmm. like you 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 have you I think the biggest thing is you have to like you have to give people a reason to need you yeah like you have to make yourself the the most useful and like that if you're not there then no one knows how to work the studio like I remember when 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 I started at Song Battery I remember the previous engineer saying to me that when he'd started he'd like rearranged everything in the studio so that he was the only person who knew where stuff was fair play (laughs) and also just like I I sort of did that when I got to Hoxha I was like why is it this way (laughs) Yeah. yeah I just kind of like if you sort out the studio it it firstly you're you're then the person who knows where everything is but also it is a great way to just kind of learn the space you're in yeah and yeah like any opportunity for downtime and you know any of that kind of stuff take it because in you know in the words of jimmy hogarth the more you're in the studio the better you're going to be so yeah just like persistency and practice it's just just practice you'll figure it out as you go and it like whenever i have to do something new in that style of working of just like I'll figure out as I, as I as I do it I definitely do have quite a lot of anxiety if I, if I don't know like what if I'm going into a session yeah I mean that kind of happens whenever I'm I'm I've got a session in like a new studio yeah or with new people or whatever there's always a bit of like I don't know what I'm doing it depends who you're around though isn't it like if you're around the right people which you can't predict when you're I suppose doing freelance stuff but it's so nice when you're just in an environment where people are like it's okay like we're all like we're all, yeah. we've all been here or at least like we're all kind of like doing this track for the first time so, yeah exactly exactly like this sound for the first time yeah like I, I did my first full-on tracking session to tape in oh wow like last year and um and like I'd done it before but I don't think I'd ever actually been the one engineering I just like I'd been like assisting on it or whatever and who is that with it was with a guy with an artist called Wonder Horse oh great um, yeah great name right <laughs> Uh, which was at Rockfield uh, in Wales, which is, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, it's supposedly the oldest residential studio in the world. It's like a real kind of strange little barn in the countryside, like fully in the middle of nowhere in, uh, in Monmouth. I remember Um, villagers doing, villagers and Julia Halter did, we went to some sort of studio in Wales, like Domino kept using a particular one for stuff, but I don't think it was that one actually. I can't right. remember the well, name. There's like there's two that are in Monmouthshire that are like down the road from each other. One's one's Rockfield, the other one's called Mono Valley. Um and they're like they or they at least 
I think Mono's gone now. I think it closed last year, really sadly. Oh, but, that's um, so sad, yeah. They're all, they're all, I mean, yeah, they're all just dropping like flies. But, um, but yeah, did, I, like, the week, the couple of weeks running up to that session, I had, like, never worked in the studio before, had never worked with that producer before, had never worked with the, with, with the artist before, mm. had never really engineered to tape in that in in the in the way that I knew we were going to be working, and I was I had such like intense studio anxiety of just like completely fair bored. enough though. <laughs> yeah, I was just like I have no idea what I'm doing. Why have I taken on this job? You're a lunatic. But it was all fine. It actually worked out really well. Would you do it again to tape? Did you like? Yes, I loved it. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's I think pe- like I had a Craig and I had a massive conversation about this when I got back about why people record to tape now Mm -hmm. and people i think quite often do it for the wrong reasons because like it's not it's it definitely has like a certain character but it's not it's not necessarily like sonically better it's it's just it's different i think the main thing that you gain from it is the process of not being able to do a thousand takes and not being able to comp like every syllable of your vocal and like you have to make decisions and you have to commit and you've only got 24 tracks or whatever instead of like a thousand Pro Tools channels you have it's like it's the process of having of having this set of limitations that makes you like you know makes you have to record in a certain way um which is you know can be can can be completely wrong for a lot of projects but um if you get if you get one that it suits then it can it can change the whole thing do you find though like when you did that do you think you've learn any new processes that you would take on when you're not recording on tape yeah yeah I think so I mean I've I've kind of having my initial studio experiences with people like Alan and Flood who are they're both in their like late 50s now um mm-hmm. they grew up in in the in the tape era and so that both of their mentalities are very much like of of that thing of like like we don't do stuff post like you when while while you're recording you want this you want the source you want what you're recording to be to be what you want it to end up as and i've and i i've i've worked with engineers who who or producers who will while they're recording like take loads of safeties of stuff or like split signals and take like different versions or just record something really simply and then be like oh we'll add all the effects later and it's like, why? Like, mm. why? 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 Why don't you just want to do it now? Like, why? Why do you want to rely on all the digital stuff to like save you later? Just commit, make a decision. It's not like you've half-assed the setup and you're and you're just like, <laughs> you know, if you're recording something in in like in whatever style, if it if it wants to be like really organic or if it wants to be really like mm. uh, you know stylized, you spend the time setting up the session so that. You get it right. When you record it, it sounds like how it's going to sound. You yeah. shouldn't like rely on the mix process or, or or mastering or whatever to fix it later. And there is definitely like a big mentality of, of that now, but just because everything is so computer-based that yeah. you can just, it's like everything is changeable at any point. You see that all the time with mixes of people just like not wanting to let go mm-hmm. and wanting wanting to tweak until like the absolute last second. You know, you should know on a first listen of a of a track or a mix or whatever whether the vibe is right. If there is one note on a guitar that is ever so slightly too loud, just leave it alone. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not it's not going to change how people hear the song. 
that's good advice as well actually and also sometimes it's good to get it out there although it's yeah. sometimes other people's work but I do think that's something to be said about that it can't be every single perfect moment because then it's not exactly you can try but clean like, anymore you're, you're gonna yeah you're gonna lose some of the some of the of the like some of the magic some along the, magic, the way yeah. If, if you, yeah the number of true, the though. number of times that you tweak a little fairy dies yeah. every tweak um <laughs> is there any, is there any um again like I feel like you've shouted at people that you've worked with but is there anyone you wanted to shout out that you thought of before are we talking about women are we talking about everyone? it can be women or guys or things <laughs> if we talk about women in the grand scheme of the podcast one of my favorite things that I've worked on in the last couple of years has been or one of my favorite people that I've worked with this woman called Milena Zavala Milena Zavala okay yeah she is Argentinian by birth but is kind of English. She's kind of like, she doesn't, that's, that's her whole thing. She doesn't really, she doesn't, she doesn't really identify with any culture that strongly. And she's a bit, she, her last record that we worked on together. That's kind of the theme of the record is doesn't know where she's from. She's born in Argentina, yeah. but she moved here when she was really young. And, but yeah, her last record that I engineered at a studio called Urchin, which is also closed, which is such a great studio actually. Um, that was in London Fields. It is actually coming back. It's like, there's like an urchin reincarnation. But yeah, Milena, she's my favourite kind of artist to work with because she's like really, really driven, like knows exactly what she wants, but is like fully happy to admit that she needs some help in achieving it. Most artists are not also engineers and they're not also producers and you, it's like, it's it's acceptable to, to say that you need a hand <laughs> with stuff. You can't know everything. Yeah, you really can't. Like, you need... you. That's the whole thing of making a record is it's supposed to be a team. A team effort, like... Yeah. And there, and there's a reason why people have these, like, specialist jobs. And when we worked on that record before, she'd never worked... I think she'd, she'd never really worked with an engineer, at least on, on her solo music. She'd done, like, her entire first record by herself in her sort of shed at home. She has, like, a little, like, shed studio. And then, yeah, the second record, slightly bigger budget, slightly bigger ideas. Like, the production style was very Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, Big drums, like, kind of, yep. you know. Yeah, so she needed a studio. So she needed me. It was, I'm going to say it's probably my favourite record I've ever worked. It's, I suppose there's, like, a chemistry thing, isn't there? Like, and that yeah. you can enjoy it more, maybe that way, too. And, like, you said, it felt like a, oh, my God, not relationship. I mean, like, the two of you working together. I forget what that's even called. But, like, it's the two of you. Partnership. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, like it, it. It was a funny record because I think for for it wasn't even we didn't even spend that long in the studio. I think it was like two and a half weeks to do like the bulk of the tracking. But we we're like this. She's like a a couple of years older than me. Um, mm-hmm. And for for most of the session, it was me, her, and her drummer, this guy Joe Taylor, who again is like the same age as us. And it was sort of like these three kids had been let loose in a studio and we'd just been like given the keys <laughs> it's been like have fun <laughs> it was like it was the funnest recording That's like nice. experience and she had these these little like super eight cameras that she wanted to like document the whole thing on it was just it was just really sweet it was a really like it was just fun just really really did not feel like work it's great to like, I mean, now that you've done that kind of stuff a few times, like, because it, it will be a partnership of like, as in her and the drummer um, giving that vibe, but you're also giving the vibe off them to you to create that atmosphere. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, was, that, that's, she's, she's, she's going to be my main, my main shout out. 
I'm literally on her Instagram stuff right now and looking through a few things. It's like so beautiful, like visually. Oh, she's so, she's really so cool. great. And then I feel like the other shout-outs are obviously the people you've worked with anyway, because I kind of like, I'll pop them in um, with regards to all the kind of path to now thing. Yeah, kind of. Like they, one person I haven't mentioned who I, who, who, who I should actually is Catherine, who's an Australian producer, Catherine Mark, who is based at Salt and Battery. She's been in the industry for maybe like 15 years. Maybe like seventeen, some somewhere, yeah, somewhere yeah. in the late teens. She has like a really funny introduction to the industry. Like she kind of, she had like, she had a degree in architecture, and lived in I want to say Melbourne. Um, uh-huh. Met Flood at a at a gig, I think, and then like decided to 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 leave architecture and and like become a studio assistant. What? Yeah, like really, really odd, and and kind of like, kind of late to make to make that decision. I think she was in her like late twenties by that point. Yep, yep. So like very different to like seventeen-year-old Danny, like walking into a studio and being like, "Sure, like this is fun." Yeah, much more of like a kind of life move. And so she she sort of, aside from the age thing and the like, giving up a, a degree and something like respectable. <laughs> We had like a vaguely similar entry point to the industry of really not not having a background in it at all and sort of just picking it up on the job. Mm-hmm. But she was the the first woman that I met in the studio, um, and like when I started, she was already like a pretty established producer mixer. Um, she was working on like she had like uh, Wolf Alice's first EP and uh oh, like sweet. holy fire she engineered that folds record and a, a load of other stuff she she was always like around at battery and has kind of been a champion for other women in the industry because there aren't I, I mean i actually feel like it's changed so much even in in the last five years or may or like maybe i'm yeah. just a lot more more aware of it or it, you're in it kind of thing but i don't, I don't know yeah i think in a lot of ways a lot of the industry is probably a lot more changed yeah. the last few years or again that could just be me yeah just thinking, i don't know if it's just if it's just talked about a lot more or or yeah but um hard to say but she she yeah she's always felt like a fellow woman i haven't actually worked with her in quite a long time but i just like see her around and there's always like a a nod <laughs> of of like <laughs> i yeah. need exactly the nod <laughs> um, yeah yeah, so Catherine as well. She was like my first sort of like, don't give up. I know it's tough. It can, it, you know, it can be like really rubbish being the only woman in the studio when you're surrounded by like a band of sweaty men and and a and a <laughs> male engineer, male producer, male band, blah blah. And you're like this teeny tiny little female assistant, and everything's scary. No, it's it's important to have that. Like like I don't know. It's just like oh yeah, it's yeah, possible. Exactly. I don't know. It, it... You need you need you you need someone like that, and there aren't at least of like. Catherine's age there aren't that many there's only there's only like a I mean really you could I feel like you can count them on one hand of the yeah whose whose names are like known um no well I really appreciate you coming on and generally like these are the ones I love the most where I just don't know anything about it it's so interesting yeah sure well yeah thanks for having me thanks Danny that was lovely such a nice chat as well like it's just weird sometimes you feel you've known them for ages when you're chatting away even though we literally met that evening 
But yeah, no, thanks again to all of you for listening. Can't believe we're at episode 35, which is great. And Danny was so up for chatting and like so honest as well, which I think is, again, very refreshing. So, yep, um, I'll pop the links to kind of bits and bobs that she mentions. That'll be on Instagram. It's probably the easiest way for you guys to get that within the kind of info bit. So just go to at Bite Size Bodacious Babes on Instagram if you aren't already a follower. And yeah, I always pop all the notes together. So as I do the edit, I'm frantically writing everything down at the same time for the newsletter, which goes out every week as, not every week, that's a complete lie, which goes out every time the podcast goes live. So that will have gone out already for this episode, but give me a week and then I'll pop up on the website normally. But if you do want them in your inbox, then just go again probably to uh, either the website or to Instagram. You can just click on the link in the bio and you can pop to request the newsletter. I promise no spamming. It literally is just the notes from the episode and those links and nice images. And lastly, yeah, I hope you find it useful. I'm, I'm super up for always hearing about new episodes. We've got a great one coming up, in fact. So the next episode is going to be from Vanessa or Ness. So Vanessa Maria. She, I think she liked something on my Instagram and then I was just checking, checking her out. And she just posted about getting her dream job at Sony Music with Black Butter as the new digital marketing intern. I just loved how she was like, this is awesome. Then I was flicking through everything she's done. She's done so much. She works with the Foundation FM crew, DJ. Obviously, they've been on the podcast too. I love a bit of synergy there. And I mean, she's done loads. So again, we're talking about... Well, actually, interesting, she studied psychology, so she's super into that kind of stuff. Very into um, kind of mental health, representation, big advocate of that, and kind of mixing, as it were, DJing into that too, doing it side by side, and super into the music industry. Like, she does stuff with Resident Advisor. I mean, the list is endless. If you go on her Instagram, so let me just find that for you now. Yes, yeah, so her Instagram is Ness a maria w n-e-s-s-a-m-a-r-i-a-w and you will have a lot of fun flicking through that she has some beautiful photographs i need to figure out actually and ask her um who took all these a lot of them kind of selfie stuff as well it's great but you know she does so much she's got such a good vibe about her her mum is amazing actually big shout out to her mum we kind of talk about that kind of near the beginning of the episode she's just I think amazing to be honest and yeah really super interesting kind of grew up in Germany went to Bristol Uni London vibes too we talk about Iceland so much so yeah another really good fun one to kind of listen to and a great one for me to kind of just learn from so thanks Ness and that'll be coming out in two weeks so look out for that apart from that I'm going to stop blabbing on I'm going to let the podcast end so you can also get on with your day evening or night and here is the music Enchanté. Thank you.